In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. So I was just thinking about this Sunday, Gaudete Sunday, and its placement with regards to uh, two other feasts, or two other celebrations that we have. At least the celebration I partake in, even though it's not technically his feast, but St. John the Baptist is kind of his celebration over the second and third Sundays of Advent. And that mixed with the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I started uh, linking that up with a famous uh, Japanese film called Ikiru by uh, Akira Kurosawa, who's a famous, uh, you know, renowned uh, director in Japan. If you haven't seen it, it opens up and it shows this x-ray of a man's organs. And he's just finding out that he has cancer. And, of course, he's, he's obviously very sad, and he, he goes off to work the next day, and you know he's kind of this depression has taken hold of him. He's he's wondering what happened to his life. Where did his life go? He's feels like he hasn't lived at all, which you know ikiru means to live in Japanese. You know he works uh, kind of like a part of the city, like in the city council or one of the city departments that helps with the running of the uh, the different villages in Tokyo. And there's this group of old ladies that, that come out to his office and they, they tell him, look, we have this flooding going on in our neighborhood. We would really like the city to come and fix it, to do something about it. And his neighbor is Mr. Watanabe and he, he just says, ah, you know, that's for another department. So he sends, he sends these ladies to some other department. And there's this uh, like montage of them going from like department to department to department. And every department that they go to, the department says, oh, you know, that other department will help you. And so they keep moving to one department to the other until finally they end up back where he is. Just kind of the classic corporate circus that we've probably experienced ourselves. So they end up back at his desk and he says, sorry, there's nothing we can do. And he sends them away, kind of shoes them off. He goes home and he's, once again, he's in this depression. I've never really lived so I've got to finally live. I've got a few weeks to live. So I've got to just, I've got to take in everything I possibly can. So he's going to, you know, late night dinners, parties, these, these, uh, you know, Japanese nightclubs, you know, eating sushi into all hours of the night, etc. And, uh, he's still just as sad until finally one night he's out and he sees this young woman who's just ecstatic and he, She's someone that he worked, he works with. And so they went out to dinner and he's obsessed with the idea that she's so happy. She's so joyous. And he finally, as he's sitting there, just comes to the realization that I've never done anything great. And that's the reason why I feel so unsatisfied. It's not that I haven't taken in all of like the pleasures and satisfactions of the world because I've, I've just tried to take in all the joys that I can and I'm still just sad. So, Maybe I have to do something great. And so he goes back and he, he finds these ladies and he goes to their part of the city and he builds a park. Small, but this beautiful park. Then a few weeks later, um, I'm sorry, I'm spoiling this. It's, it's, it's a wonderful film, but I've now spoiled it for you. So a few weeks later, he dies and there's the funeral for him. And all these council members that he worked with from all the different departments are there at his funeral. And they're at the meal after the funeral. And they're all talking, they're all criticizing Watanabe. Terrible guy, right? Um, you know, he went outside of his bounds. He was in a department that had no business building a park. 
Um, all criticisms, every single one of them throwing criticisms. Of course, they're saying, he was wonderful, but, he was wonderful, but, really liked the guy, but. And they're all coming down on him for having done something that he shouldn't have done, like build this park. Until finally one guy stands up, and he's, you know, the sake has obviously gotten to him a little bit. And, and he says, wait, we're all criticizing this man, but, but he's the only one among us that, that actually did something. You know, he went outside of, you know, what was the norms for what we considered is our responsibility, and he accomplished something. He built that park. And so I think we should actually be giving him props. We should actually have respect for him, because yes, it might not have been his actual duty within his department, but he went out and did something that none of us have done. And so they all get fired up, and they're all, yeah, that's right, you know, we're going to go change, we're going to change the city, we're going to do whatever it takes, we're going to do things that we've never thought about doing before, we're going to help people, etc., etc., they work themselves up into a frenzy, and they all go off into the night just, you know, charged up with this energy, rejuvenated with this desire and determination to, to change the city. And then the next morning, there's a few people who come, uh, villagers that come, and they knock on the office and they say, you know, there's this problem. And there's this, like, moment of, this moment of determination. And these men just kind of look at each other, and these two men, and they say, oh, we can't help you here, go to the other department. And the people walk away, and this group of men, they all kind of just look at each other, and they realize, we're never going to do anything. Right? Once again, they're just stuck in that bureaucratic circus, and nothing will get accomplished. And of course, the last scene, then at the end of the movie, it then goes to, obviously, this main character, Watanabe's dead, but it goes to him, and it shows him just on the swing, like late at night, um, in a cold night, and he's surrounded by his park. And he's alone, but, and he seems sort of sad because he's going to die, but at the same time, he's humming this song, and it's this song of joy. Because, you know, I accomplished something. I did something. It might not have seemed great, but, it, but in itself it was great. This idea is, you can see in this character, he has two things. Hope and daring. And the difference between him and all these other men is they had hope for a split second, but they didn't have that daring. And we look at Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and then we look at this idea of St. John the Baptist, we have these two great notions of hope and daring, which is specifically here during Advent, but is really kind of fundamental notions right, of the Catholic spiritual life. And these, these two ideas that for quite some time, at least I believe, are these two fundamental notions of our Catholic lives, hope and daring. I talked about before in a sermon a long time ago here, um, this idea of hope. Uh, we too often see hope as just, oh, you know, things will get better. Or relying upon, you know, simply relying upon the graces of God so that we will be able to accomplish things. That's not the whole picture. Like I said before, St. Thomas talks about hope saying, it's the virtue that comes about that is born by a desire to do difficult yet possible things. Right? Because if we're, if we're going about things that are very easy, there is no hope. Because, well, I'll immediately get it. But if it's something that is impossible, then there's, well, I'll never be able to reach that. So there's no reason to hope at all. So hope is difficult yet possible things. And this is really the crux of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which we just celebrated. Go back and read that Mass. 
right? The epistle is, is extraordinary. But this idea of hope, before the Passion, before Christmas, the Immaculate Conception is really the feast upon which humanity is given hope. Because it's the first time that man is given the idea of what his capacity actually is. Before that, you have centuries. Centuries of man just in wallowing in sin, wallowing in what we would say lack of potential, what he is not capable of doing, which is, which is anything really virtuous. A few men throughout, the, throughout history are obviously seen virtuous in the eyes of God, but for the most part, humanity is not virtuous. But it is at the moment of the Immaculate Conception that God takes mankind and he elevates it to a level that it is not previously perceived that it could accomplish. And that's through this woman, the Blessed Virgin Mary. He gives hope that we aren't just beings that have to wallow in sin, but in fact the greatest of our people have reached heights that no one could have dreamed of. This hope, which is, we have to have this source. We have to have something which drives us to be able to do the things that God is asking us to do. And that all comes from hope. The Blessed Mother accomplished great things because she was fueled by great things. The source of her energy, her determination, and her desire was the greatest thing, God. And that is ultimately, when we're talking about hope, it's not just a grittiness, it's not just a determination. Hope is, your goal is God, and the means to attaining it is God. So you're desiring the greatest of things, possible, yet the most difficult of things to attain. Yet it's so very possible because the means by which you attain it is through God. So the question has to be asked, as we prepare for Christmas, what drives you? Ask yourself the question honestly. What is the source of your desire? What is the source of your determination on a daily basis? What actually drives you? Because the way that we are, the way that we act, the way that we do things, the sins that we commit, the virtues that we practice are all determined by what drives us. But I think if we all sat here, if, we, if tonight, in a moment of silence, we all asked ourselves the question, what actually drives us, what fuels us at the very bottom? Not, not these kind of tagline answers like, oh yeah, the love of God, or no, no, what really drives you? It could be the love of God, but I'm asking sincerely and honestly, in a moment of true honesty, what drives you? Meaning, at every moment, what is there fueling what you do? Is there anything? Or do sometimes we simply live, I have to do this now, and then I have to do that. And there's not really something that's pushing us further and further and further. Because that has to be hope. Hope on a very profound level. A hope for very great things. Ultimately God. Because it is hope. We've talked about this before. Hope is the foundation of entering into the next world of entering into the next land of the soul. It talks about this idea of civilization would not have ever existed if it wasn't for hope. If it wasn't for those few men around that campfire, in that forest saying, what is beyond this forest? 
What is beyond this little village or tribe? Lands would never have been founded if it wasn't for men saying, what is beyond that ocean? What is beyond this land? What is beyond this planet? Everything is fueled by hope. There is something great beyond where I currently am. What fuels you? Because that has to be the driving principle of everything you do. It makes all the difference. Maybe some things have driven you before that maybe weren't good, but you accomplished things because of it. I think I mentioned this, but I was just thinking about it because in, in first grade, there's a few people in the crowd that knew me in first grade. But in first grade, you're learning how to go to confession and you're learning Holy Communion. And so it was earlier on in the year, and our teacher, Ms. Wisniewski, was, was going through confession with us. And of course, um, Joseph, the holiest at Academy, was uh, put in charge of being the priest, right? Which was already kind of bothering me, you know? Like, why can't I be the priest? But, you know, he was, he was just a very holy kid. So I remember going to that confessional and, you know, saying, bless me, Joe, so I've I have sinned, and um, going through my confession. But it really bothered me all year long that Joe got picked to be, like, the priest. And, and, and so I was determined, my first grade year, that so we had this award for religion, the best grade in religion at the end of the year. And I was determined I'm going to win that religion award because I'm going to prove that I should have been the one who should have been sitting there as the priest. And it's, it's a little bit childish, right? But at the same time, right, I won that award. And we got, you get a little pin. It's a little shield, a little blue shield with a gold cross on it. It says religion. I still have that. That's, the, that's right by my bedside. I keep that thing for years by my bedside as like this. It was something that drove me but it is something that you accomplish. And I'm not saying, like I said, it's a little bit childish, but at the same time, like, what fuels us every day? The immaculate conception should, has fueled the humanity to this can be accomplished. And we look at St. John the Baptist, and this is where we have the idea of daring. Right? St. John the Baptist comes in right before Christ, and he's just going to blow things up. Right? This man, the Baptist, is out there, and he's saying things that no one's ever said before. Because he's coming right before Christ, who's going to literally turn everything upside down. Love your enemy. Do good to those who persecute you. Ideas that everyone would have been scandalized by. Right? Scandalized. People were leaving Christ in droves. Because what he was saying was scandalous. And John the Baptist comes right before and he's going to set fire to Galilee. By telling them to take away all of your earth. Don't care about your earthly possessions. Fast and penance. Do everything that is difficult because I have to prepare you for the one who's about to come. He dared them to do things that they weren't comfortable doing. And it's just like in this story, this, this Japanese film. These people, they have that hope. They have, yes, we're going to do something great. But when it comes, when push comes to shove, they're not willing to do it because ultimately they're afraid. And that's the second question that I think that we have to ask during this Advent time is, what are you afraid of? Right, right, right uh, in front, above my pillow, um, when I sleep, every time I get up, it's, what are you so afraid of? Because I feel that all of us see what we have to do, but fail to do it because there's something that we fear. 
What are you so afraid of that you are not able to give yourselves in the way that we are meant to? What are you so afraid of? And every night, I write down on a list the things today that I was so afraid of that stopped me from being the Catholic and the priest that God has deigned me to be. And every day, every night that I write down that list, every time I look at those things, they're so insignificant. What are you so afraid of that you can't be pure? What are you so afraid of that you can't be charitable? What are you so afraid of that you can't be humble and not care about the opinion of others? What are you so afraid of that you can't show the proper affection to your spouse that they deserve? What are you so afraid of that you can't show the proper respect to the authorities, to your priests, to those that have been put above you? What are you so afraid of that you cannot be generous with God that in a few moments will give you everything He has? What are you so afraid of that you have to justify and rationalize our lack of generosity towards this one? What are we all so afraid of? And it's nothing. We're so afraid of giving up small moments of satisfaction and pleasure. We're so afraid of giving up of moments of us knowing something bad about someone that we've been yearning to know about. Everything is insignificant compared to what can be achieved with God. There's the two questions that when you wake up every morning and right before you go to bed, ask yourself, what drives me? What really drives me? And why am I so afraid that I can't give myself completely to my God? Hope and daring. If we could but have Catholics that were these things, what could we not accomplish? Dare. Dare to take away the things that are in your life right now that are stopping you from being the man or the woman that you should be. Dare to take away from your children the things that you know deep down will make them better Catholics. Because once again, this world is crippled, not because things are so difficult, but because we've set such incredible limits upon what Catholics can do. Dare to be difficult towards yourself, hard on yourself. We live in a world where Catholics are saying, oh, we have to do greater and greater things, but at the same time, we have to be nicer and nicer and nicer. It doesn't work. It does not work that way. The harder it is, the more difficult we must put the expectations on ourselves. Of course, understanding the mercy of God. Put extreme, in the eyes of the world, extreme expectations upon you, your spouse, your children. Because that is what is necessary to be saints. To be saints. Because that's what we're meant to be. And yes, I know I'm going on long, but it doesn't matter at this point. 
to be saints. Because how many of us wake up every day saying, I will be a saint with God's grace. Like, I'm meant to be a saint. How many of us wake up every day? Today, did we wake up saying, no, I'm going to be a saint. A matter of time, but I will be a saint. Because God's grace is there for me to be that. It's what I was born to do. Great desires. You come in here every Sunday, surrounded by legends on that altar. Souls who gave their blood. Ordinary people. Saints. Look at your children every day and say, that's supposed to be a saint. So what do I have to do? What expectations do I have to set? What standards do I have to put in place? What things do I have to rip away from their lives? However hard it might be. What worldliness do I have to take away from them in order for them to be saints? Nothing less. Not good Catholics. Saints. Men and women that will shed their blood for their faith. Nothing more and nothing less. Hope. Great things. And dare to do whatever it takes in your lives to accomplish that. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.